Blog Talk Radio.
and then we will come back and we will talk all about miracles. Call in during the show with your comments or questions. 
could never have imagined that I would be able to live day to day without having a drink, without overspending, without overeating, without taking drugs, whatever my addiction has been to, then my day-to-day life would feel like a miracle Yes, that I only arrived at through divine intervention. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's not an instant, and it would fit the definition, but yeah, the definitions tend to imply more of a, um, you know, someone in, in someone like a lot of the Bible stories. Someone was miraculously healed. Blind could see. The yeah. blind could see. The woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was immediately, you know, healed, forgiven. Um, and we see that as, as as you said, as an event. Mm-hmm. But from the perspective of an addict. That whole experience of living every day and going a day at a time without having whatever that is, without doing whatever that is I was addicted to before, would feel just as powerful. You know, it is curious because as you're talking, I'm thinking about the two kind of ways that change happens for me is is that one moment I'm one way, one moment I'm next, more dramatic transform, transformative experience that I had with the eating, and then a slower change that I'm doing work towards a certain area, I'm doing work towards a certain area, and I'm not feeling any change, I'm not feeling any growth, and then suddenly, not suddenly, but slowly, I start shifting into a different experience, and then one day I kind of am aware that my emotional state has shifted but I couldn't tell you where it shifted, at what point. There wasn't right. a defining moment or a defining experience. And so, and I think they're both kind of becoming more aware of our spiritual experience in the human body. And I guess my pondering is is, is if I'm fully awake to my spiritual experience, is that living in a miraculous state 24-7? Is that something? Well, I, I think this is really interesting because if if we really believe that acting it should be given, all things are possible, If we really believe that, then nothing is a miracle. Yes, I believe that. Thank you for saying that. That is that is so. True. The fact that my life has changed, you know, if I'm going from addiction, or you know, or just from what felt like bad, and now I feel good, and I don't know a particular moment, you know, is it that you're living in a constant state of miracle, mm-hmm. or are you living in a constant state of Spirit of God, which is all good, which is all things, which is only good, which is not a miracle, which is as it's supposed to be, the spiritual truth. Awesome. Yes. And so often, I think we call it or think of it as a miracle because we've been grounded by our humanity instead of grounded by our spirituality. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And that's exact. I absolutely do believe that. I think it's interesting. And I think calling it a miracle sometimes reinforces this. It's unique. It's or unusual. That it's out, or that it's right. Or, or it's it's divine inter, inter, intervention, which it is, because we get out of the way and let the divine be mm-hmm. in its fullness. Mm-hmm. But it's um, not a comparison to humanity. It's it's just a very it's a choice. It's a choice. So I I love um, the Ernest Holmes quote of Mary thinks a miracle has been performed. No miracle has been enacted. John used a law which all men may use if they will. And this was not Mary, the Madonna Mary. This was just in reaction to a story he was oh, telling, okay. an illustration about 
a client, Mary, being sick and John being the practitioner okay. doing a treatment for her. So Mary experiences as a miracle that she's well because John has declared that she is um, the divine truth about her, uh-huh. that she is whole and perfect and all of that. And um, and it seems like a miracle to her, but he was just seeing her in divine light, and then it occurred. So it didn't, you know, it's like no miracle really happened. Mm-hmm. She just returned to her natural state, her natural state, and let go of the human perception that she should be sick, that being sick is what she is going to be. That's natural, and that's going to happen. I mean, I'm human. I'm going to be sick. You know how we just kind <laughs> we of tell ourselves right? like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mary could have made that shift for herself if she had been able to move from the humanity and the ego and the attachment there and attached herself more strongly to it's my divine right to be well, um, I am whole, perfect, and complete, and she would have felt heal, heal the same level of healing. And I always, whenever I talk about healing, always say, and healing could be death. Healing, the process could be that it ends in death. Healing does not always mean cure. So I don't know why, but I yes, I do know why. I always feel like I need to say that because I think people create us from the human perspective in their mind. You know, well, if my... If Uncle Fred dies and he wasn't healed. Right. To hedging your bets and saying he was healed anyway. No, I'm not hedging my bets. I really believe that. I really believe that death can be the right. an answer to right. the healing. Right. When it's time for someone to um, be relieved of pain, when they don't, in our society, where death is uh, is presented as like it's a bad thing, right. but it's really part of the natural course of life, and nowadays... Most people, you know, we fight to keep them alive when it really may be their soul saying, you know, I'm really ready to go, mm-hmm. but I don't know any other way to go. I don't believe I can just lay down and go to sleep and go. I have to have cancer or I have to have something really serious, you know, that's the only way. Mm-hmm. And then their families, you know, standing around them, holding on to them, and they're trying to go. So their death could really be a healing of their spirit and a healing of their whatever their time on earth mm-hmm. it has been about for them. Mm-hmm. It is it is such a curious thing, though, because I think people really do struggle with that in terms of I prayed, I did my treatment, I asked God, whatever our faith belief is, we enact it. We do all of our things exactly as we are taught to do, and then the outcome is not what we perceived. So the hedge your bet, you know, it's an interesting, because I do think there there are sort of little kind of things within most spiritual paths that kind of explain the unexplainable so that we can still feel good about doing what we're doing, but here's this little, if if it doesn't work, then here's why kind of thing. And so Mm. I'm I'm always fascinated by that because we are trying to, if the outcome isn't as we see it, then we're trained to, to to doubt the process instead of seeing the outcome is exactly as it should be. Right. And we just don't understand why, and that's just part of the experience of being human. You know, we don't get to know it all, really, except I believe well, we... Yeah, and in, in, in so many cases, it's not that we don't get to know it all. We know exactly how the laws work and how, you know, we do know that. But, yeah, we get attached to the outcome being the way we think we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's really dangerous when it's an outcome that it's somebody else's outcome. You know, it's like I don't really know what's best for you. You so, don't get to say what my miracle is? Well, and so <laughs> when I'm, you know, if I'm praying that some a certain thing happens for, for you me. a certain way mm-hmm. because I think that would be good for you, mm-hmm. A lot of times it's either that, yeah, I think that would be good for you, but it's not what you want. And, you know, we have a lot of that with parent-children relationships and spouse-partner relationships. 
Um, but also, you know, it's like it's good for me, especially around death, since that's kind of where we were a few minutes ago. Um, you know, I don't want that person to die because I'm going to miss them. Right. I'm not, I don't want that person to die because, you know, they've given me really good advice for the last 45 years and, uh, you know, I'm not ready for them to go. I don't want that person to die because I'm afraid to die. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of times our prayers for other people really are to make ourselves comfortable or to give ourselves something that we want, and we have to be really careful about that. So if I pray for healing for someone else, I have to trust that what happens is the perfect healing of whatever's going on with them. And it might be a healing of an emotional something I don't even know about Mm -hmm. that's generating whatever's going on in their lives. And I will never see that necessarily because I don't even know it's there. I may be praying for the healing of a physical manifestation of something. Does that make any sense? It did for a minute, and then I got lost. But I was with you for most of it. Yeah. So if I'm so you're saying there could be a secondary healing almost. That's no, something that, you're that not that would be the, that that could be the primary okay. healing. Okay. Right. But right. I wouldn't know it was healed because I didn't even know that's what was going on with that person. Yes. And I'm looking at the fact that the outer condition never mm-hmm. changed, mm-hmm. and saying my prayer didn't work or why didn't God answer my prayer. You know, if I'm thinking the only way healing can show up is what I can see with my eyes. And if you're, uh, uh, would an example of that be if I'm pl- praying for a blind man to see, mm-hmm. and he remains blind, but somehow through a spiritual experience he accepts his blindness and lives a whole happy life, that healing occurs, but the sight is returned. Right, because what thing. was, what I was saying, I want, I am praying and claiming healing for this man. Right. And it happened. Right. But to me, if I'm attached to it being that his blindness turns to sight, mm-hmm. then I'm thinking my prayers didn't work. When it really, he didn't mind me. He was afraid. He was blinded in an accident, and he was so afraid and felt he'd never have any value in life and, you know, please take the blindness away. But you're right. If he emotionally is, like, accepting his blindness and then he goes on to live and he has, you know, friends and a job and family and he's happy, uh-huh. my prayer absolutely works. Right. I'm the one who's attached to it right. showing up a right. certain way. Right, right, right. So a lot of times what we call miracles, since I was, that's what uh-huh. we're talking uh-huh. about, you know, we think it's a miracle because we didn't really believe it could happen the way it happened. So it was beyond what we were able to believe or it's beyond what we think we could do ourselves. We really wanted it, but we didn't think we could have it or do right, it. Right, right. And isn't that just that is such a, I guess, part of the human condition that we get all caught up in? You know, that we can't have it, or and, and when when it's actually even plopped in front of us, in many levels, we're like. It's like a hot potato. We're like trying to get it out of our lap. No, 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 I can't have that. It's too easy. It's too easy. I've got to have it hard or I've got to, you know, work for it. That's my favorite thing. I was going to say, that's it. There you go. That's it. That's it. (laughs) But it it is funny how coincidences, I think, sometimes are overlooked. And it's like... Could a coincidence be kind of like a mini miracle? Or, you know, and if we're looking for affirmation of things... um, my uh, car has a spirit, and the spirit name is Ethel. It's always been a spirit name, and I actually transfer the spirit of my cars ever since I was in college. Thank you very much. But um, so Ethel, it's really kind of her body is kind of shaking and making strange sounds. And so the other day I was driving down the street, and I said, Ethel, are you ready for a new body? You want a new body? And Ethel was like, yeah. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you want? And she said, I want to be a convertible sawhop. And I, that's not even, like, in my chain of thinking, really. I mean, I want a convertible, but, you know, and certainly, so I was like, wow, that would be awesome. And there was a semi-truck in front of Ethel and I as we were going down the road, and the semi t- got turned over to the right-hand lane, and in front of us was a convertible sob. And 
I mean, the rest of the day I was like, did the energy of the convertible sob come in and then I thought of that or did I create? You know, it's just so interesting when if we're aware of little cues and you've had several little cues around your soul mate idea that you shared last week. I mean, it's so fascinating to me when we line up in that synchronicity, when we get into that, you know, flow, we are living a miraculous experience that's very natural and as it should be. And it's not it's not a miracle, it's not unnatural, it's not strange, it's not luck, it's not, you know, something that we really have to kind of be scared of or think, oh, I don't deserve it or, oh, this, you know, shouldn't be. I mean, it really has nothing to do with us. It's not even about us. It simply is. It's the experience of the spiritual flow that we are in, but on so many different human levels, you know, we fight and avoid and resist and duck and turn away from. It really was a fascinating thing. And those things happen a lot. You know, if you're looking for things, you see the synchronicity and the miraculous or the coinky-dinkies. Yes, absolutely. I have a devotion about um, looking, what we're looking for. Yeah, if I can get my little computer to work. Um, What am I looking for is the title. I've gotten real good looking for Barbara in my day. Yesterday I talked to a group about our website, God in My Day, and writing devotions about looking for God in everyday activities. A woman came up to me after the meeting and said she had perfected seeing herself in her day, focusing on all the things that were going wrong, things she was worried about, outcomes she was certain would trigger bad results. She smiled, saying she was thinking about Barbara and had never thought about looking for God. I have a hunch God is all around me all the time, in the heat of the sun, in the reassuring smile of a stranger, in the well-timed phone call of a friend, the perfect song on the radio, or the welcome home lick of a puppy. I believe I find what I look for. Barbara was finding lots of Barbara in her life. I know God is not hiding from me, so the question becomes, who am I looking for? And you know, I wonder about that, really, if it is simply that simple. Simply that simple. Simply that simple. I I think it is. Mm-hmm. I, and that's really discounting when you're really in a bad place. <laughs> that's all I said. It's really just as simple as looking for God in your day and being aware of the synchronicity. But I I, I agree. I think it truly is. Twelve step programs say it's so simple, it's hard. You know, I mean, it's just. It's so simple, we just can't even process how simple it is. Yeah, because our human brain is, has been trained that it has to be complex. Right. And there can't be just one factor. There must be ten, and I need to know them all, and then I can evaluate and logically think through what it should be. And if I don't have enough mathematical ca- calculations to make, then it, it yeah, it's... It's not the real deal, mm-hmm. you know, or I wasn't smart enough to figure it out, or I'm going to get blindsided by what what else is to come. So, how do we how do we learn all of that? I wonder. Is that something we're taught through a process of being raised in terms of this, you know, human experience? has to look a certain way and, and the outcome has to come to us in a certain way and that we can't just kind of relax and have fun and make make magic? Well, I think so. I mean, when you think, think about what we know about children, really small ch- babies, infants, mm-hmm. toddlers, and we're they get socialized. We all get socialized. So wherever we are in the world, whatever culture that is, mm-hmm. we get socialized. And, and it is complex because, you know, you take a little toddler 
and they're just doing whatever makes them happy, and they don't, they're not trying to hurt anything, damage anything. They're just like, oh, that would be fun, or that would be good, and then they get slapped on the hands or swatted on the bottom or told no, no, no with a finger pointing in their face, right? And it's like, oh, well, why can't I? I like the red crayon. Why can't I? Mark on the wall with it. Right. I mean, here's I got this big piece of paper. Right. You know, it's so big, and I'm going to write the story, you know. And they, so they learn, no, just because you think it doesn't mean it's right, and you need to find out from authority figures what is right, and then take into consideration, you know, and then you go to kindergarten, right? And then you, at every stage of your life, you're learning a more complex set of rules that teaches you in different situations with different people, there are different rules, and you need to figure out because you're expected to know. Yeah. And so they came in, into the world, babies come into the world. Perfect. And knowing, you know, knowing what they know, which is the world is good and safe and beautiful and I'm good and safe and wonderful, right? And then we teach that out of them and teach them all these these complex ways of being in the world. And I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I think that's what the world is about. The human being has a brain. But then the real lesson is, is returning back to where we were. And lots of, you know, therapy and spiritual work later can say, and still, now we're back to where we were. And uh, still living in the complexity. Mm. That I mean, I think that's really what a lot of our spiritual, spiritual practices go back to. How do I maintain that knowledge of the spiritual truth that I have deep within me and still be effective in this complex world mm. with all these different kinds of people. Yeah. Which I hadn't really thought about in this context, but I have a friend who it's either it's like one or the other. I can be in the world, he can, you know, be in the world and you know, and then gets caught up in the negativity and in the fear and in the, um, you know, all the surface-level interactions and doing things that other people want, even, you know, want to please them but not, you know, stay grounded. Or he can live over here in the kind of the other end of the spectrum, you know, and get up and, you know, read the Bible or read the, Course in Miracles or read something spiritual for two hours and meditate for an hour and then maybe journal or reflect, you know, for an hour and have lunch, you know, and stay in a spiritual space as long as he doesn't have to deal with anything in the real world, you know, bills and jobs and people being upset and all of that. And But he doesn't one or the integrate other. the two. So one or the other. And that's you know, it's impossible to build a real life that way because right. if you're over here at the end of the spectrum that's, you know, 12 hours of spirituality a day and interacting with only a three or four people who you know will help you hold that, that means you're not working. It means you're not out there interacting with people where there might be conflict and resolving it, you know. And if you're over here on the other end of the spectrum dealing with work and jobs and people and family and all of that, then where's your, and you're not able to integrate your spiritual truth. I mean, what see, is that? See, I, I'm thinking when I am in my spiritual truth, when I'm fully aligned with that, all of the human stuff just lines up perfectly as well. And it doesn't be, it, it's as if, it's as if the the real work uh, is, you know, creating my spiritual practice and my spiritual awareness, and then everything else kind of falls into place rather naturally. I mean, I feel like that is somehow my indicator. When my human is getting nervous or anxious or fearful, that's my indicator that my spiritual 
there's something that I'm not doing in my spiritual well, realm. That, right, that you, when it's going smoothly, that you are integrating that spiritual belief and spiritual practice into how you respond mm-hmm. to, because the people haven't changed. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I often recommend to people when they are, um, are are just asking for advice or we're just talking about, you know, how do you apply some of your spiritual practices or beliefs. And it's like, okay, think of not someone you have the worst relationship in the world with, but someone who you interact with on a regular basis who you, you know, don't have the best, you don't have a good relationship with. Mm-hmm. And that's your test person. It's like if I, I instead of asking or praying that that person will change, you know, you integrate the tools that you have so that when you interact with that person, they don't set you off. Right. You don't have to change them. You have to change yourself. Right. Grow yourself to the point where you're not looking to that person or your relationship to that person for affirmation or for approval or whatever it is you've been looking for there. And so I do think the integration is is important, and that's how you do test whether or not. And so I like what you said, that when things aren't going so well, to you it's the warning sign of, oh, wait a minute, what's going on for me in my spiritual practice or my spiritual life? Right. And, you know, I would say that I'm trying to think there's some sort of 12-step program saying about miracles, you know, being a walking miracle or a living miracle. And, um, you know, you look back over different periods of, when I look back over different periods of my life, I can say, well, it's a miracle that I'm, you know, here kind of thing, you know. But it's interesting how we throw out that word miracle. And, again, I come back to the idea that it's some sort of event or some sort of activity that occurs. And I'm really wanting to make it more just a natural state of experience that is as it it naturally is. As you said, and I really do believe that if we're really in a spiritual place, there really are no miracles because everything naturally happens miraculously. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. So what would you say to the person who um, says, but no, that's wrong. There really are miracles. There really are things that are out of human control, which I don't think we disagree with, uh, or human understanding, and then they start quoting examples from the Bible, like the parting of the Red Sea, that was a miracle, or the Israelites walked for 40 years and they never had their clothes wear out, they never had their shoes wear out, they, you know, they walked for 40 years and, you know, and they didn't, you know, go without, or when the time in the Bible when water comes from the rock. It's a rock. There could be no water in it. I mean, so there, we teach and, you know, if we went to the Quran and if we went to the Torah, we went to the religious text for any spiritual practice, there's, there are stories told about miracles, which tells us that miracles are events. You know, it's interesting that you asked that about the Bible specifically because I'm actually taking a class at the Center for Spiritual Living with uh, Reverend Dr. Petra, Dr. Reverend Petra, and uh, she has an interesting philosophy that I think comes from a book by a guy named Borg. She talks about each week to remind us we're either in the story or outside of the story, and that the stories in the Bible are metaphors to look at it in the terms of the stories in the Bible being metaphors for our individual lives and teachings for our individual lives. Mm-hmm. And so um, in terms of that with the different miracles, you know, I think that if I look at that, how is that a metaphor for my life? And I do think, you know, the day before when I was compulsively thinking about food every minute and then the day after when I wasn't, that was as miraculous as the seas parting or water coming out of a rock, that that felt that extraordinary to me. Um 
so I guess by that definition, you know, it would be, um, you know, a, an event, a miraculous event. But I'm sticking with my story that I think it could be an overall way of life. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a very common. I think, I think that's really one thing that. That's again why I was interested in this topic because I really do think people have it very singular-minded about miracles, and usually they have to do with physical healing. The cancer tumor was there, and then the next time we went, it wasn't there. It's a miracle, versus some sort of belief that it was actually never there. It was just, a, you know, an, an understanding, a false understanding of something, and it's the overall miraculous experience of understanding who we are, accepting the reality of our natural being is not really miraculous, it just is. Yeah. What you thinking, Tracy Brown? I'm, I'm not sure what I'm thinking. I'm um thinking about several things that you said uh-huh. in, in there. So I I'm having a little bit of trouble deciding which one to go with first. Um So I I don't think it's an either or. I think that we can allow discussion about miracles as singular events and we can allow for discussion about it is a miracle the way my life is lived today compared to the way it was lived five years ago. Or when you made the comment earlier about, you know, when you or when other people will say it's a miracle that I'm even alive today. You know, and I said that because I actually never expected to live to see 40. And you had some actual experiences. I had, right, I had health issues and I had two near-death experiences. and And I really, when I was younger... And even as a teen, I never expected. And I do remember when I was preparing to turn 40, I had this sense of (laughs) it's a miracle that I have lived to see 40. You know, and now 60 is not very far away. It doesn't feel so much of a miracle. (laughs) But 40 for me was like, wow, I'm actually still here, and I overall like my life, and I'm grown in to a, you know, reasonably good person, and wow, it's a miracle. Um, So, you know, I kind of see all of, I see see all three of those as as valid ways to talk about miracles, because all of them are what is happening or what has happened is beyond my human ability at the time, you know, whatever it was before, I couldn't believe that that could actually happen. And now it has happened. Wow. It was beyond my level of belief. Uh, the, the human level of belief. Right. It was beyond right. It was beyond my level of belief as a human being. And I put the power of that happening outside of myself. It was divine intervention, which we can talk about from the concept that we believe that God is within. Uh-huh. But it's when we say it's a miracle, we're saying, I really don't know how this happened. I didn't do it. That we is, are. That is that is the conventional definition. Yes. Yeah. We're. I mean, that's we're saying. It's, not nec- not somebody else I know. I'm not saying, you know, my friend Leslie did it, uh-huh. and it's a miracle. Although I guess in the Bible people would refer to Jesus Christ did it as another person, mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ did this, and so and it was a miracle. But in general, when people talk about miracles, they're thinking Jesus or God did it or some spirit energy outside of me made this happen. And how would life change if we believed that that was just a natural state of being? The miraculous experience was always available. Always available, always there. And not something extraordinary. 
I just, I like I like the idea. I like the thought. I like the conversation. You ever see the movie um, uh, Leap of Faith with uh, um, Steve Martin? I think so, but you need to remind me. Love that movie. Is that the one with the billboard? He's the evan he's the evangelical oh, preacher. Yeah, I remember. He's got the big scam. He goes out and does a tent and does right, the revival then, and right. Yes. And it really, there's a line in there, but those people who haven't seen the movie, he's a kind of a, um, you know, a schleister, what do they call it, shyster. He's a preacher that goes out and does these tent revivals, but he has fake people in the audience in wheelchairs that can act like them. They can walk after he heals them, and he uh, will paint tears on the statue of Mother Mary to make people think that, you know, she's crying. So he is making his living kind of off of this being untruthful in his creating these miracles. And then there's this one young boy that touches his heart that's actually a cripple, and the young boy actually believes that he can, you know, heal him. And because he's attached and feels this love for this young boy, he he suddenly sees what he's doing in a different light. He doesn't want to hurt this boy, doesn't want to give this boy any false hope. And so at one point when the boy is up there asking for a healing, he says, if there is one person whose faith's not big enough for this healing to occur here, then the healing won't occur. And what he what he's saying somehow is that we all have to be of like mind that this young boy can be healed for this healing to occur. And um and I thought about that a lot, that line, if there's one and I think that's kind of a metaphor that if there's any part of me right. that doesn't believe it, it's not gonna happen. There's so many different parts of me, my human, my spirit, my ego, my mind, my monkey mind, my chatter, my, you know. They all have to be aligned to get into that flow. And even if one little part over here is going, are you a nut? You can't have a convertible song. What are you thinking? Then that's the part that kind of manifests my experience. And then I think, well, golly, I did it, it 99.9%. Well, you know, ultimately... I've got to get into that Zen state where it's all lined up. Exactly. I, I mean, I and I do agree with that. And I think so often for us on the human level, that is what stops us from creating more miracles in our lives because we do have that withdrawal. We have that little hold back that, oh, here are the things that I want, but I can't have everything I want. Right. You know, we hear the voice from our parents or from a teacher or something from when we were three years old or eight years old, and we don't consciously hear it, but it's there in us. Who are you to want that? Right. Why do you think you can have that? Well, that tumor's real. It's on that scan. You right. Can, you know, yeah. And um, all of, or the tumor is there. It is showing up on the scan, and it is with me and now I identify myself as someone with cancer. Because, I mean, you know, if there is, you know, or your arm is broken. Right. It is physically broken. Yeah. We can't do spiritual bypass and pretend it's not broken. But if I believe that it will never heal properly or that I will, you know, never be able to do whatever I was doing. I'll never be able to go roller skating again and skate well because my I broke my ankle. Then my ankle will heal, but not really, not mm-hmm. totally, and right. I'll either break it again or I'll stop skating or, you know, because that little piece is in my mind. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think there is that, and I love that you made the connection that the um, the line may imply it's outside of us, it's everybody here, or everybody in our lives needs to get in alignment, but really it's all of the people we are yeah. inside <laughs> Actually, it'd be easier for me if I got all y'all in line. I think I can do that easier, get all the things inside of me in line, right? Well, and that that is, I, I'm Sure, true for a lot of people. And I know how that shows up for me is if I'm doing, you know, prayer treatment for someone else or for other people, a lot of times it's easier for me to get into that state of I truly and fully believe this person is, you know, blessed by spirit 
and if I'm doing a prayer or treatment for myself, it takes me a lot longer because mm-hmm. I have to get past all of the barriers that come up in my mind. But what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what would happen if? You know, it's like go away, heal. So, and I, I, one of the other things that you said that I think really is important when I was asking the question about you know truly the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or you know, the Baha'i book or the big book in AA. AA. I mean, you know, any, any, many, all of those books will present some things as as a miracle. Yes. And um, I, I think I agree with, um, with Reverend Dr. Petra in that you know, yeah, we have to decide are we in the story or are we outside of the story looking at it and how does it apply to us. And, and you know, we have to remember that the stories, the books, were written by men, human beings, not men versus men and women, but human right. beings, after the fact, looking back, trying to create a story that would explain how things got to be the way they are. Well, this is what happened 500 years ago. This mm-hmm. is what happened that 100 years ago that led to this. So how do I make it into a story that gives you the parable, that gives, makes the point? And so, of course, it has, to, it, it has to be written as we don't understand this, but this is something that would be bigger than what we could understand. Right. And so there had to be some outside force, some bigger force, which to me are two different things. An outside force is outside of me. A bigger big force, force is a bigger me. Can be in big, inside me, right, right. A bigger right. way of looking at it, a, mm-hmm. a way bigger than the ego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those moments that I have experienced that oneness, that moment, you know, it is... It is um, it is a bigger. It's like a. Uh, it's like a floating, or you know, you just. It is. It feels like. That state of, of miracles. And spirit and good and you know it's just all. I can't describe it. See that's what they talk about. Can't describe it. But I, you know, but but it is. So fascinating to think about how, as you said, we make up stories to explain these things when really we can't explain them. You know, whatever the, but but somehow we have to create a, a linear or tangible explanation for things. Well, and and that makes sense. That again, we're working with the human brain, which is very right. complex, and so we have to give it data that would allow it to, quote-unquote, make sense of it. So I'll tell a story about, you know, and then water came from this rock, and the brain will put that in the category of, like, awesome miracle, Uh and that's what happens when you follow the religious guidelines. Awesome miracles can happen for you. And that's really not... You know, so unbelievable then. It's awesome miracle crap. And if you follow this path, do these things, live this way, this is then your, reward. your awesome miracles will happen. Right. So the people you're reading about, it was being migrants for 40 years and never having to worry about clothes or shoes. You know. <laughs> right. Which, right. And so Never having any monetary worries would be the metaphor right, there. You, things are taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about them. Right. And so how do you apply it then to what would be a miracle today? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you picked up a rock and water came out of it, you would still say it's a miracle. Or you would say it's extraordinary or it's unusual or I don't have an explanation for it. Possessed or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the rock down. Oh my God! In this day and age, yeah, because uh-huh. you're right. 
like. Yeah, but you know that's another thing. Is when you think about it, we can also turn. We can look at the the coincidences or the good things, and we can almost be so frightened by them because they're so wonderful that we push them away from us. And what is that? Is that a Marianne Williamson quote, the one that we're really scared of our extraordinary? Yes, it's not. It's we're not, not afraid of right. Mm-hmm. It's that we're bigger, we're greater, and we could step into that. Yeah. Ernest Holmes says, um, many wonderful things have happened that would seem miracles if we didn't know about them. And now we meet um, the sponsor well after the spiritual bath of peace, the baptism of spirit, not through me, but you to me. And this was, you know, this many wonderful things that happened that would seem miracles if we didn't know about them, if we didn't know their source, if we didn't know that, you know, there's a power for good in the universe greater than we are and we can use it. And that that's the natural state. But we would see them as miracles if we didn't realize we are connected to that source of power. We are connected to the divine and we have access to that. And so, you know, there's a part of me that says, should we feel sad that we don't see things as miracles or do we rejoice that we see everything yes. as a miracle. Yes. I love that quote. I'm going to write that down, Ernest Holmes. Look at that. That would seem miracles if we didn't know about them. I love it. And we didn't know, and I would add on there, we don't know, didn't know who we were, who we are, not were, who we are. And And it, and I do really challenge myself in that all the time in terms of not not getting too like overly excited when something really extraordinary happens because I don't want to train myself that that's extraordinary. I want to train myself, well, of course that light would turn green. Well, of course that check would come in the mail. Well, of course, you know, my flu-like symptoms would disappear and I wouldn't know why overnight. You know, of course these things would happen for good. Or, of course that light did not turn green and it was for my good. It was to keep me safe because the traffic coming the other way. Oh, yes, 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 that's good. I've started doing that with um, when people cut me off. I say, oh, you must be an angel helping me to not be going too fast. Like that kind of thing? Yeah. Or yeah. you must really have some place to get to because you got a phone call and you're, you know, if something happened to your child. You know, it's it's our choice whether we see it from a point of view of divinely designed, right? which often means we see it as a miracle because our human side, it goes back to one of our first, if not our first show, one of our first shows about ego yes, and how we let our ego get up front because surely it's all about us and they're getting in our way and causing a problem in our life and making my life miserable and, you know, because our ego wants to be in the lead. When really, it's helpful, but it's not all of who we are. I am so glad you made that because that is an extraordinary point that that the miracle is happening when the light is red or green. The yeah, miracle is happening when your ego gets when I get what I want. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for making that because I do believe that. And it's my it's my internal state of mind. Am I joyful and and happy and blind? Or do I have to have my sight to be happy and joyful? Literally. Yes. Um, and so we, we so there are it is. Out of time. How about that? The first Saturday is done. Yeah. We are glad to be on Saturdays, and uh, which is a great thing because our next show is about gratitude. Gratitude, there you go. <laughs> next Saturday morning, all about gratitude. And if you're listening to us for the first time, please join us. Um, again, please go visit the archives and listen to the previous 47 shows, your choice of them. And uh, please feel free to give us feedback by sending us comments on the main show page or by calling next week or on a future show. And visit uh, the website, godinmyday.com. For inspiration inspiration throughout the week to remind you to notice God in your day. So have a great week, everybody. And remember, 
say yes to spirit. Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.